Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. And then I realized I was wearing headphones, and I looked around, and Fraser was wearing headphones, and, and 70s Mike Johnson was wearing headphones, <laughs> and Andrew Harrison was wearing headphones. And you can help thinking, who was the Spotify supposed to be the, for the benefit <laughs> of? Um, you know, that actually, it's people's, people's natural inclination is to kind of withdraw into their own worlds, isn't it? You know what I mean? Well, it, it is. It is when they hear a song they don't like. Because you know, that's the problem with Spotify. You think Spotify's brilliant when it's playing, um, you know, Wall of Sleep by the Smithereens. You think, that's a fantastic song. I haven't ever heard that for ages. But the moment it starts playing, um, you know, um, the Electric Light Orchestra. What? Oh, nice. oh, oh, oh. So that's orchestra. Fighting Talk, is it? Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. I've just been to the Delicatessen at the bottom of the road, and they were playing a, um, a track by Supertramp. And the two Sicilian women who work in there, in their late 60s, probably were dancing along, Dave. I've seen them singing. To what, to, to anything? To, to, to Celine Dion. Okay, fine. I no, was in there, okay. and, and there was four of them in the shop, they had a full staff, and they were all singing Are they suddenly breaking into a routine, do they? It's weird, because most of the time they're, they're miserable. <laughs> they're <laughs> all the time. The scally Sicilians, as they know, uh, yeah, for yeah. obvious reasons. But they, they, were doing, they were singing along with, Take a look at my girlfriend. Oh, it's a good song. Yeah, it is a good I'm not knocking it, Dave. I don't mind that. Genuinely, Supertramp, like. can I just say this? Genuinely distinctive sound, whether you like them or yeah. not. Yeah. Nobody sounds like Supertramp, yeah. do they? It's that just, that, that has to be a quality, test, an uh, absolute trademark, isn't it? It's like Queen's a real example. If you hear a quarter of an inch of Queen on the radio, you know it's Queen. <laughs> it's and you just reach the button and snap it off. Oh. <laughs> is it that they're unique or that no one likes them enough to have been influenced by them? Probably or are they inimitable? Now that's a very well. It's a, it's a big. It's a big area that is. Yeah. Um, because there are some groups that everybody seeks to imitate, the mostly unsuccessfully. Well, the Beatles. Yeah. You know, because you can't do what the Beatles did because you're not good enough. No. Uh, where uh, uh, Queen, I don't know if people would attempt to emulate because it's so much about Freddie Mercury's voice, isn't it? And a particularly guitar tone. Yeah. The groups that people tend to, to, to try and emulate are the ones that have just, just a sound which is manufactured by a certain amount of uh, equipment, I think. Neil Young and the Velvet Underground are really good examples. It's quite easy to sound like them by having the same sort of instruments fed through the same sort of speakers. Yeah. 
You don't have to write songs like them or sing like no. them, but you have the general feel. You don't have to be any good. You don't have to be any good, actually, to, to, to be in a group playing Southern Man. And I, I speak as somebody who, who has done that <laughs> on several occasions. Labored in the vineyards of Southern Man. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of fruit. <laughs> Horny-handed son of toil. That's right. <laughs> Tilling the soil in Southern Man. Judge's time. It makes it sound like sort of onerous manual labour, which, which if you're <laughs> the bass player, it is. Yeah, it mostly so is. True, yeah. Oh God, yes. Talking of that, we've got to talk about we've got to talk about karaoke in this podcast mm. at some point. Um, okay, this is the yeah. word podcast. I'm David Hepworth, and facing me is Mark Ellen. I'm Mark Ellen, and uh, twiddling the faders is Fraser Lurie. Hello, I'm Fraser Lurie, and and we, it's customary on podcast to talk about something we've learnt this week. And normally we leave it to the end. And I just want to say this before I forget it because I was listening to it on the way in. Um, Clement Freud sadly died the other day. And uh, there was a terrific obituary on Radio 4, Matthew Bannister interviewing his daughter, Emma, broadcaster, and so forth. And uh, and she said two things that I, I just had to pass on. Oh, Emma, Emma Freud. Was talking about her father. Yeah. She said, her father died mid-sentence because she went to his home, put it, clicked his computer to bring it, you know, to bring it from sleep again. And there was, he was halfway through Ooh. his sentence... For a piece for the Racing Post, so I think that's a fine. It's the way we'd all like to go. Way to go, and you know, and what will be, you know, the cliche that you're halfway through writing. Moreover, (laughs) three dots. (laughs) (laughs) He dippeth his goose quill. (laughs) This seminal effort by. In a word, oh yes. (laughs) Wouldn't that be terrible to yes, die while talking yes. about unrepentant doo-wop harmonies or all jingle all, jangle Rickenbacker sound? All in all, not their <laughs> best album. Come all in on. all, a grower. <laughs> Finn so <that> <laughs> turns she, his toes up. One thing she said that very much amused me, and the other one, she said that he couldn't resist a uh, practical joke. He couldn't resist winding people up. When she was 20 years old, she lost her credit card and then got it back and she reported it lost but then she went and used it right silly thing to do but no criminal intent and uh, she was stopped in the shop and the police came and and arrested her for you know uh, using a stolen credit card and so she gave the police her details and they rang her home and father picked up the phone clement and the police said do you have a 20 year old daughter called emma and he thought for a second he went no no <laughs> <laughs> I like that thing. I like the thing in the in the Times obituary. I think I showed it to you. He, he, he was on a train. He was obviously pretty uh, short-tempered and often with members of, the, of well, actually, of his colleagues and, and members of the, of, of the public. But he was I sitting on a train. Didn't suffer full gladness. No, the, the shortest. The in fact, I don't think he even had a fuse at all. Actually, but uh, anyway, a woman lit up a cigarette uh, uh, j- j- in, in a non-smoking carriage, and he had a bit of a go at her. She said, "Oh, she said, calm down, Granddad. You know, I'm, I'm only ten feet from the smoking carriage." He said, "I'm only six feet from the lavatory. Do you want me to piss on the floor?" <laughs> You'd stop it out, wouldn't you? Uh, <laughs> the other joke, which I've got to pass on, actually, which was on the um, on the, the Radio 4 obit, was that an uh, elderly man approaches elderly woman and says, how old do you think I am? She sticks her hand down his trousers and rummages around for a while, and then she goes, you're 84. He goes, how did you work that out? She said, you told me yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> All these jokes come courtesy. That's a New Yorker cartoon yeah, yeah, waiting yeah. to happen, isn't it? <laughs> All these jokes come courtesy of a billion dollars isn't old, Mister uh, Mister Freud. <laughs> yeah. On Radio Four, That's so good. we ought to we ought to properly uh, credit those. Um, well, we haven't been here for a couple of weeks. 
Fraser's looking nervously at the equipment. At the equipment, are we all working? Oh Fraser? no, it's all fine. It's all. Fine. I can see a graphic equaliser going up and down I- in sync with my voice. What yeah. a thrilling, what a thrilling thing that thing. is. That's a good thing. We didn't get around to doing one uh, last week because uh, I was doing a documentary for Radio 4, so we like to feel that we gave something to the nation. Yeah. Got to put a bit back, Dave. We've got to put a bit yeah. back. The, uh, the, for one night illegally, the story of the bootleg, if you want to listen to it on the BBC iPlayer, hurry, 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 it's for five days Five days only. Anyway. And it was repeated yesterday afternoon, my wife tells me. Yeah, sh- she said, tell David his programme was really good. I said, I'm not going to bother to do that, actually. Because <laughs> he knows. Why should I? Because <laughs> he knows. I'm not going to give him that, <laughs> that little head. glimmer. He'll let it go to his head. Yeah. yeah. So I won't tell you that, as she said that. Anyway. So the few things we've got to pick up from the, uh, from the mailbag on the, on the website, webmagazine.co.uk. Somebody sent in what is arguably... The greatest, a, a YouTube clip of the greatest entry into a chat show ever seen. And I'd never seen it before. It is fantastic. This is, how long ago is this? Probably 10 years ago or something yeah, like it, that, it, judging it, by the appearance of all concerned. This is, Mark, describe it. Well, uh, it, it's, it, gosh, I've now forgotten, was it Letterman? It's, it's David Letterman. Letterman's in London, isn't he? Oh, uh, is it's, he? It's recorded in London. Oh, didn't it's a special show in London. So partly to, I think, um, you know, um, uh, roll out the carpet and to, uh, to, to make the locals feel welcome, he's invited on Peter O'Toole. And Peter O'Toole comes on, David, on a camel. He's riding... A camel, and as if this isn't enough, right? He's with the most fantastic symphonic, uh, you know, uh, uh, backing from from the studio band. People are standing, people are crying. They're applause. playing the Lawrence of Arabia. Well, they're playing the Lawrence of Arabia. Theme, yeah, written by Maurice Jarre, who only died the other week. Sorry. Anyway, and if on. you think this isn't enough, I mean, it's just, and he's also smoking. The other thing you can tell is not contemporary. He's, he's not just smoking. He's smoking Mark. a cigarette. He's not in a, just in a smoking. Mark. Oh, no. He's got it in a cigarette. A cigarette holder. holder. Right. Smoking a cigarette in a cigarette holder. He's right. atop a camel. And it's a long way up, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, smoking. And you think that isn't a, he, when he dismounts, um, still milking the applause, patting the old camel, uh, you know, affectionately on the nose. He rummages around in a bag and produces a can of Heineken. <laughs> <laughs> he proffers. That it, is the word. It takes him a while to get the top off. It, the Heineken. And he takes a ring. It, it's a ring pull. It's it doesn't ring. appear to be faked in any way, right? He takes the ring pull off, proffers it to the camel, which which simply grabs it in his mouth, tips his head back. <laughs> Keeps his head back, right? Clearly, he can't put a hoof up to steady the old, the old <laughs> beaker and sucks down the contents of a 15-ounce can of Heineken. And pretty much spits the tin out. Why do I not know about this? It's know, well, just absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Well, listen, isn't that, the great, isn't that the great learning of the web? Yeah. The, the motto of the web ought to be, in Latin, why, why do I not know about yeah. this? Yeah. Because, you know, the, the web has such incredible, infinite riches... That even for somebody who spends as much time working in it and playing with it as you do, Fraser, yeah. miss you miss lots. things. What was it I showed you the other day? You never was seen it, it before. It was a compilation of uh, album sleeves and brought to life animators. Yes, which we ran on the which yeah when they appear to fight with each yeah. other. You've only of... been seen eleven million times on YouTube, and you've never, you'd never seen it. Right, but the, where's that been all my life? Exactly. You know, that's the mantra, isn't it? Because I looked at this thing and I was just, I just, I was furious that I hadn't seen was it. Was it only shown so in America? Fantastic. Well, I don't really, I, I don't know. It probably was, but that's a good point. It was, it was recorded, I think, yeah, in but England. In the but world of YouTube, you'd have thought yeah, that would so. have found its yeah. way to you. Somehow. And there's another absolutely fabulous bit where Letterman, Letterman sits, sits, <laughs> <laughs> he sits, he's 
rather, rather touching because it's sort of his belief that somehow you know showbiz would extend to having a general interest in camels. And he said, "What kind of a camel is that?" <laughs> thinking this is going to lead to hilarious banter. Is you know a, a Bactrian camel, or a dromedary, a dromedary, and he says it's a I don't know a zoo camel. <laughs> <laughs> basically, was delivered to the stage door twenty minutes ago. How should I fucking know? You know, it's so brilliant. The idea that he had the nerve to get on the damn yeah, thing. Yeah. You know, whose idea was it? Did it come from Letterman? Was it, it probably, probably, came Pete, probably came from Letterman. But the, fa- the other thing is, it's kind of, it, it tells you how TV used to be, because I can't imagine that safety. they would be allowed to do that yeah. nowadays. No, they wouldn't. You know, the, the animal, you know, animal abuse and, and the danger of, you know, superstars sliding off camel, exactly, yeah. suing NBC or whatever. It wouldn't even get past no. the script meeting. David, if the little, for little kiddies today aren't allowed a game of conkers or to watch a Punch and Judy show, then what chances are a bloody camel be allowed on telly? Well, I it think would. that is the single greatest... It's classic. ...thing anybody's ever done. And also, you, the other brilliant thing... anybody knows any better. The yeah. other brilliant thing about it is you imagine someone like Elton John looking at that. Elton John is very much um, rooted in a kind of Busby Barkley view of showbiz, which involves kind of cannons and fountains and things. He would have just thought, I couldn't follow that. Exactly. It's so simple. O'Toole's it's a design classic. It's, it's, it's O'Toole on a camel. He's won. He's won with a can of Heineken. But Job I, done. I must still <laughs> do I must, <laughs> I, must, I must still draw your attention to the fact that I do think... The thing that makes it absolutely unassailable as the greatest TV chat show stunt of all time is the cigarette in the cigarette hole. Yeah, Because, yeah. you know, if, if how do we say the word insouciance? That's, it, well, that's the word you're looking that's for. That's pretty much how... Because yeah. the cigarette a just top, looks a bit common, doesn't it? A top, yeah. Yeah. bloody camel. Yeah. And about, when he was obviously just about to go on, he must have said to the stage manager, hang on a second... Yeah, one it final flourish. It produced a Balkan massive cigarillo. Screwed it Six foot holder. Yeah, cigarette holder. Fired lit, it up. Lit it with his Calibri light. High tar. <laughs> yeah. And then went. On. Probably took a, a strong draft of, 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 a, of a margarita. And uh, it was on. Yeah. Got anyway, on that camel. it's on the website, and actually, I will put the link to it again on the accompanying this, classic. Uh, this podcast because there is everybody. In the world, should see it. Uh, Fraser, we obviously we obviously uh, touched a bit of a nerve when we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we were confessing that all men, um, actually, the thing that women really don't understand about men is that most men are conducting. This <laughs> is a rich topic. I'm just wondering what you're going to say. Now, go on. <laughs> I know what he knows. Fraser knows. We were talking, about, talking about it last time. Uh, that most men are playing high-level professional sport in their head. Oh, yes, I, yes, I, yes. At yes, any this. given yeah. time. Yeah. I, I confess that I'm, I'm a good medium-paced bowler. I do uh, something else as well, which isn't really high-level professional sport, but is kind of activity-related. I canoe down rivers. What, in your head? Oh, in that's incredible. Head. Go on. Uh, generally, it's big. With any success? It's not, I'm, not, I'm not going down rapids or anything. Yeah. It's big, wide rivers like the Amazon <laughs> or the Mississippi. As it gets towards the sea, and there I am in a canoe in my head. You clearly so don't this is, away. Now, now, you don't have a health inspe- you, uh, and safety inspector in your head either, no, do you? No, Obviously no. not. No. So you may be walking down Upper Street, yeah. you know, on your way to Marks and Spencers, and, and uh, I'm watching but the actually, bank go by. actually, you're watching. Any any uh, Indian reservations on the riverbank or anything like that? Any no, features you'd like to report? Just lots of trees. Lots of trees. Yeah. Okay. Well, this this touched a, ner- a nerve, and uh, Sheave Master pointed out he bowls as well, actually. Sheave Master, I'm a big fan. He writes those wonderful plays, doesn't he, on our website? Well, he points out that all men leap up and tap an overhanging leaf, a piece of awning. 
That is so true. That's true. They That's do. a male thing. Yeah. Have you ever seen a woman do that? Why would they, why do they do that? Whether a woman's tall or not. What, it, well, men, if they're, told, if they're told not to touch something, they touch, they touch it. I, I speak as someone who at the age of seven touched a two-bar electric fire that had been turned on <laughs> and been told by my father never to touch it. I wish wait till he's out of the room. <laughs> he came back, I looked like something out of a Tom and Jerry cartoon with my skeleton flashing through, you know. <laughs> I've never told you about my first adventure smoking. No. Which is a classic story of the massive stupidity of the male of the species. Yeah. And I was I about six or seven or something like that. And my father smoked. Uh, and you, th- you thought, well, I've obviously got to smoke at some stage. It's expected of me. I'm going to be a rock journalist. I better fire up now. I'm seven. <laughs> rock wasn't invented. <laughs> let alone rock journalism. All right, a swing journalist. Um, and my father used to, like, like all people who smoked an awful lot, used to have one immediately before going to bed, which he didn't finish. And so he would stub it out. So next to the bed, there were always half-smoked cigarettes, yes? A day later. Lovely. And so I thought, I'll have one of those, he won't miss it. And, um, but obviously I can't Lovely. smoke. They were <laughs> <such> s- good. <laughs> I they, suppose you survived this, cool. Uh, the, the, have I not told you this story? No. Okay. They, uh, parents were outside in the garden. I thought, well, I can't smoke it in plain sight in the house. That would be stupid. I know what I'll do. I'll smoke it under my bed. So I got, I got a box of matches. And took this, this, uh, and uh, the small child's bed, very low. You couldn't get, even a child couldn't get underneath it. But a child of singular stupidity like me could just about jam his head underneath it, between the bottom of the bed and the floor. And then, in this very confined space, contrived to A pile of tinder-dry, unread magazines, presumably. To, would strike the match and and light light the cigarette. I struck the match. It, it caught the bottom, the underside of the bed... Okay, so there I am, head jammed under bed. <laughs> As it's a very elaborate, rather painful way of committing suicide. They must have wondered why. Some very basic 1950s flame-proofing meant that what it did was it, it immediately shot into flames and then went out really yeah. quickly. And there I was, jammed underneath. like It was like the kind of thing Pixie and Dixie used to do to Mr. Jinx in the cartoons, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was just left. Was, uh, I was blackened, effectively, apart from, you know... A what big, was your father more upset about? You torching all the furniture or, or, or no, having a gasper? They never noticed, because it was just flame-proof. Never noticed. Underneath they, the bed. They didn't miss the eyebrows? <laughs> <laughs> you must have missed the half-cigarette. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, that's a good thread for the I'm compiling Really a, stupid things that boys did yeah. when they were young, actually. I think that's a, a, it's a part of the old world, because I'm compiling an autobiography uh, of, my, of my mother's life at the moment. She's telling me about her, uh, my grandfather. I only ever met once, actually. He died when I was two. And, uh, and he used to smoke in bed. And, and I said, did he ever set the bed on fire? He said, oh, yes, more than once. <laughs> it's a lovely idea that he actually just fell asleep with a, with a massive old gasper, a high-tar gasper on his, on his gym jams. No, but, <laughs> and, and you didn't think... More than once. I won't do that again. Yeah, well, apparently you used to occasionally sleep... No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah you'd think you'd, you used to sleep out in a, a, a sort of wooden uh, sort of, uh, sort of chalet out, out, out in the garden, sort of uh, shed, because he thought it was good for him, good for his health. Brilliant idea that you could smoke 75 cigars a day or whatever and then be worried about your health, you know. And they said he wasn't allowed to do that in the air because they thought he'd set fire to the heart. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. Mark and I, many years ago, used to work with an ad manager called Rodney Bunsworth Sop. Uh, and, and Rodney Bunsworth Sop was the man on, on whom Arthur Daly was probably based. 
And uh, when, was, when a race, he was an old friend of Rod Stewart in real was life, wasn't he? Yeah. And uh, whenever, whenever a big race was coming up, the Grand National or whatever, we used to talk about tips. He says, "I'll give you a tip: don't smoke in bed." Don't smoke in bed. He had that joke, you know. Every month, you know, you had that joke. Never told it to Stephen Marriott. It, his jokes. Oh were, no, no, that's true. His jokes were, were so non-PC. <laughs> Remember the one about the estate agent? Oh, yeah. Are we allowed to? That's probably can't tell us now, can we? No, we can't. <laughs> no, carry we can't. on. No, we can't. We carry can't. on. Actually, <laughs> but, I can edit it out. Later. It doesn't reflect well on the, on the stage, days. I'll tell you later, friends. Go on, go on. Anyway, if anybody further, wants to know, email me. Further response to the question of you know men's fantasy sporting um, uh, adventures. Uh, the Martin Simmons says, "I seem to be able to bowl quite fast off a very short run-up." Useful, brilliant. <laughs> says usually this is at Australians who only need two runs to win with six wickets remaining, leaving a, leaving one of them stranded on the o- at the other end on 199 not out. I skittled the team out in one <laughs> over. It's the idea that men have result. Just, they've they've developed these things yeah. over a period of time. So it's not just the simple activity. They develop the context. Yeah. The best the, the best example of this surely is the opening page of Fever Pitch by Nick Hornby. Do you remember Fever Pitch? The opening page it of the starts, book. I'm trying to remember. The opening page of the book starts with Nick Hornby uh, lying in bed on Sunday morning having a cup of tea with his girlfriend, and he's thinking about um, uh, he's thinking about I think being on the Arsenal right wing. And it's, it's wonderfully put. He says, at one point, he says, I chest down a perfect cross. He said, yes. I trap it, I control it, I move forward. I'm round three defensive players. I'm, I'm winging in. And then the girlfriend looks at him and says, what are you thinking about? He goes, oh, nothing, nothing. <laughs> and she knows. I mean, I'm, I'm condensing this brilliantly <laughs> told story. And she knows that all he's doing, age whatever he was then, 38 or something, is he's just sitting there fantasizing about scoring a goal. I, I play golf. It's brilliant. It's impossible to line up a putt without hearing Peter Alice's voice in your head. Right. You're of course. About to drop a ball in for the Masters. Oh, it's totally. Well, so when I was a kid, when we played football, we used to commentate. You know, you used to actually just commentate. You know, kids in, still do. Yeah. The, um, we may have discussed this in the past, but the great Jerry Seinfeld line written by Larry David um, from his stand-up routine is, Girls... You want to know what men are thinking? Do you really want to know what men are thinking? Do you really? I'll tell you. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing. Then, That's right. Which is sort of true, but it could be that actually what they're thinking about is, is something like Nick Hornby's fantasy of, Absolutely. you know, uh, uh, passing three men and scoring. But they're not... But that's to, nothing. Not wanting to fess up to it, really, because it reflects so badly on them. But it's just natural. It's a sort of natural state of males. Yeah. I think. It could be. All right, this is a theory. I'm making it up, okay? For a thousand years, we were men of action, okay? People went off and hunted game and climbed trees. We don't do that anymore. No. We're so lost. We, we lost, so instead, but we still in our head sort of do physical things. We need to return to a hunter-gatherer tradition. We yeah. do. So we're Monday hunt, Tuesday gather. <laughs> Wednesday hunt. Do you remember that old diary? <laughs> Caveman's diary. Go on, Thursday podcast. That's right, Thursday podcast. That's right. <laughs> the modern world. We were, also, we were also talking in the in the recent podcast about, uh, telling the story, Peter Strong went to see Paul Carrick in Norwich. Oh, yeah. Paul Carrick's uh, tour manager came on at half-time and said, Paul is not feeling absolutely brilliant, so if anybody wants the money back before the second half, please, you know, feel free. Of course, nobody left, and when Paul Carrick returned, he was hailed as, you know, like the Pope. You know. Brilliant ruse. And, uh, Probably does and it every night, though. According to Seamus, um, this reminds him of a George Jones story. Apparently, when George was a bit too refreshed, somebody would inform the audience that George would be unable to perform, 
since he had just heard that his mother was ill and he was at that very moment headed for the hospital bedside. The audience would then be asked to observe a minute's silence. Perfect. <laughs> Refunds would be available at the box office. Nobody, of course, was heartless enough to do And nobody put together that, that, that his mother was ill you know, seven nights a week. <laughs> <laughs> Had a turn. Well, it's like Stephen Island, the football player, who's, who's got out of playing for the Republic of Ireland uh, twice because his grandmother died, hasn't he? Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, played, the the, he's played the grandmother's funeral. He could have, he could have two grandmothers. No, I think, I think uh, he may have even done it three times. That's a bridge too far. Slightly yeah, too that's far. <laughs> the Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. Now, the nation has been gripped in the last week, or the world has been gripped by the phenomenon of, of is it Susan Boyle? It's Susan Boyle. Susan Boyle, the lady in her 50s who appeared on... 47, David. Oh, OK. She's 47. Oh, I thought she Never been in. kissed. Really? How do you know that? She says that. Oh, my Lord. That's another preemptive strike, isn't it? it is. Get a bit of sympathy from the audience. Yeah. Well, and... The it, showbiz tarts, all of them, aren't they? Church worker lives with cats. You're kidding. Yeah. You've really done your research here. Can't. Described by, I think, uh, Archie Valparaiso on the word site as looking remarkably like Mark Ellen in a crimply frock. Yeah, that was, I saw that. I thought that was a bit unfair on, 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 on Susan Doyle. Yeah, I think she's, I think she's a classically good-looking girl, actually. But, but I've taken it on the chin. Thank you, Archery Lessons, to give him his uh, full title. I've, I've just watched her, actually. I've missed out on this film. As you know, I'm not very good at popular television. But I watched it this morning, actually. Because you, you, you mentioned it. I thought she was terrific. I tell you what, I my first impression was, I don't know if anyone saw the, um, what I suppose was her first appearance on this programme, but it was the most brilliantly stage-managed piece of television theatre well, I've ever seen in my life. Because what they decided is, this girl is fantastic. So they're going to, they're going to edit in a series of close-ups of Simon Cowell, Piers Morgan, who's that uh, frightful girl in the middle with the artificially straightened hair? Do anybody know? Amanda Holden, I don't know. I don't know, she's I'm, just I'm awful. And they, so they, 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 and a load of absolutely loathsome individuals in the front row, in the sort of teenage girls who sort of look like some, you know, footballers' wives, who, who are there to, to affect disgust and repulsion at the idea of anybody over the age of 25. Oh, the oh yeah, yeah. So what they do, I mean, I haven't seen the, the recent thing. I was, Dave's taken a picture of me. That's great. I, uh, I, no, I just saw the first one. And so you've got Anton Deck in the wings, and Anton Deck, two are in on this, and they're turning to their own camera and grimacing slightly to, to say, I'll tell you what, you know, she's 47, she's from somewhere like Middlesbrough, you know, it'll never work and Simon Cowell, fantastically sarcastic about the whole thing, isn't he and then of course the moment she sings, a gantry camera takes off and, and wallops back across the audience in one overarching sweep to watch the audience standing, right, they're standing like in a Mexican wave, as I am doing now <laughs> To, to um, you properly signify their enthusiasm uh, and, and respect surprise. for this and surprise for this extraordinary performance. So, I mean, you know, it, it was. I've never seen anything so stage managed in my life. You cannot possibly put that together unless you've already decided that's you've obviously you've heard what she's going to sing like. They've done it before with Paul Potts. Oh, they? did they? I don't, I've never watched his program. I mean, I thought it was fantastic, actually. Because um, television. God bless her. It's a great truth about television is that if an extraordinary unexpected event occurs... Television will miss it. ...in the region of television cameras, television will infallibly yeah. miss it. Yeah. Because television can only do what television is set up to do, which is rehearse, decide what the narrative's going to look like. Choose the shots. Choose the shots, choose the sound, decide what the edit's going to be, 
and then make the events fit the narrative. Yeah. That's how they do it. Well, it, I can remember... If somebody uh, attempted to shoot Simon Cowell live on, you know, Britain's Got Talent, and please, I'm not encouraging anybody to do this, <laughs> I guarantee there would be no footage because the cameras will be looking somewhere else. Actually, the footage will be on a phone camera used by a member of the audience. You know. Well, it's like, I mean, it's like watching, you know, Bruce Springsteen on stage, that when you see in the Diamond Vision the girl leap out of the crowd and catch the harmonica that he's thrown, uh, you know, into the, into the front stalls, that girl will presumably have been selected before they've even taken to the stage. So there's a girl, seven, seven, seven back, you know, with the blonde hair, that's the girl I'm going to throw. Oh, she probably might even be put in there, actually, in order to, in order to catch, and probably audition people to see, to make sure they can actually physically catch a harmonica, you know. So um, I remember that in our uh, dim, distant past, day, an old grey whistle test. There's, there's groups that would go on there and make the terrible error of doing something spontaneous. Yes. The guitar player would suddenly play another solo. Well, that's a total waste of time because in the programme, in the <laughs> script, it says you're now concentrating on the trombonist. Absolutely. Uh, and so you're just getting a trombonist standing there looking astonished <laughs> and, and, and rather aggrieved, you know. It doesn't well, make good talent. Well, because if you go into the gallery, you know, into the studio, the, the, where the desk, where the producers and the directors are on a TV programme, they are looking at a load of shots that they've already picked in front of them. They're yeah. not looking at the event. They're looking at what they've selected, which also connects to my theory about sporting commentators, that they're invariably the worst informed people at a football event or a rugby event. They're not seeing it. They're seeing what shot is in front of them. Yeah. They miss the thing that's in the corner. But you at home have noticed that so-and-so over there has just gone off or something like that. Yeah. They haven't noticed it at all. Because they're concentrating on doing something entirely different. They're describing what the viewer is seeing, aren't they, rather than what the viewer can't see. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why Morrissey always was so good on top of the pops in the early days. Because Morrissey uh, completely understood the nature of showbiz and the beast, and he he knew that he would, you know, produce the gladioli or flourish the hearing aid or, or throw something into a crowd or take his shirt off, and precisely would probably have told the cam camera people that was the cue. Back onto me. I'm going to do something. Now it's funny. And it worked. It's funny you should mention Morrissey because I, I was on my list of, of things to to raise here. Actually, did did you see the events this this week at Coachella and Morrissey? I, I read about this on the Word Magazine website. Uh, Word Magazine. Would that be wordmagazine.co.uk, Fraser? Is that in any way associated with a highly popular uh, popular culture music magazine called The Word? Which is, yeah. is that the yeah. one that's on sale now? It is on but sale. All good news agents. But if you've got a really good sense, a, a very competitive subscribe, price. don't you? The only a fool would turn that off for now. Uh, anyway, moving on. Yes, well, well, you're right. Yes. <laughs> yes, if you subscribe now, you get the new December record. <laughs> I'm, hey, I have no shame. I'm going to I'm going to get two of those, and I work here. Yeah. Anyway, they're gone. <laughs> so, next to all that, it sounds really dull to talk about Morrissey at Coachella, yes, doesn't it, Fraser? But we're going to. Go yes. on. What um, did he do? Is this this picture that... Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. He on, walked on the stage because of the smell of meat. He, uh, I think there was burgers in the vicinity, and uh, that was too much for Morrissey, and he left the stage. Saying what, Mark? Or in his statement. God, I'm sorry, I thought you were going to say he took his shirt off. No, I, thought, no, no, I thought the issue no, no, was that he's no, put on a right no, load no, of old suit. No, he appeared no, okay. at Coachella supporting Paul McCartney. Uh, and McCartney didn't walk off at the smell of meat. I well, I that's a bit of a... McCartney's too much of a fry. I think yeah. if, you'd, if you'd done years in the Reaper barn, I think the notion yeah, of a few burgers in the open air is not going to bother you at all. If you've been in the cinema that smelt mainly of, of urine, actually, for you know, most of As they were. As they were. Anyway, um... Morrissey said, or it was quoted as saying, it smelled of flesh, and I hope it was human. That's 
Which always bears a... Yeah. Uh, is it right to use the expression overcooking it a bit? It probably isn't, is it? But, I mean, that is, is ludicrously theatrical, is isn't it? It is absolutely preposterous thing to say, that is, you know? Because it's not the only... Uh, so did any of those guys get their money back? I don't know, mate. You could have said his old grandmother wasn't feeling very well. That's a sensible thing to do. But he's not the only smell-related rock flounce in the last week. Olfactory. Olfactory <laughs> flounce. Flouncation. <laughs> olfactory exit. <laughs> premature olfactory exit. Because Britney Spears oh, yeah. went off stage in Vancouver yeah. claiming, and, and then there was an announcement through the PA, she wouldn't come back until people stopped smoking. Um, this is an outdoor venue, right? No, no, it's an indoor venue. Are you allowed to smoke in Well, I don't think you were. I don't, I, I, properly, you weren't allowed to, but obviously some people were. And, and apparently some people were smoking dope. Now, whether Britney's, you know, took again this because she didn't like the smell, like most of us don't like the smell, or whether she felt it was a terrible, you know, she's trying to get off smoking or trying to get off dope or something like that. She was, you know, that th this was upsetting her. Because, you know, this appeared all over the web, there's... there's Petitions, people trying to get their money back, accompanied by pictures of Britney relaxing <laughs> outside the venue with a great big with a gas bag on. You're you kidding? Know. Yeah, yeah. Is, my suspicion is that Britney Spears was probably looking for any excuse to leave the stage if she just didn't fancy it. What's the matter with these people? Don't they have a grandmother who's not feeling well? Why do they have to go through this great big routine? See, is flouncing quite a recent thing? I don't know. I'm just can't get over the the changing relationship between the performer and dope being smoked in his audience or her audience. I mean, I remember going to see Roy Harper at the Oxford Polytechnic, in 1975. Someone lit up a massive gas and said, them up. He literally got off the stage and started clambering yes. through the audience. Yes. Got hold of this massive great bonfire and woofed it down, that, much to the picture uh, of John Martin. It was John Martin exactly. Somebody would almost proffer a drink or or. A drink. Well, eventually, I think you were warned not to spark up too near the old boy because it would affect his performance. Because he would certainly uh, grab it and. and and put it away. You know. <laughs> really? so, yeah, it so, distracted him badly. Yeah. What's so, happened? So I think I think both of them, Brittany and Morrissey, should just kind of pull. For God's sake, get a grip. Together, it's ridiculous. You know, people have spent fortunes, and in the case of Coachella, gone a long way out into the desert, haven't they? You know, As Leonard Cohen said at the O2, people have endured many financial and geographical inconveniences to be here tonight. Do you remember what he said? You sound like John Gielgud. Sorry, he's come out. I should have a Canadian accent. Sorry. <laughs> it's my James, generally all-purpose James Mason, old-person voice. Say that again. Geographical and financial. He said they, they, they've endured financial and geographical inconveniences very to good. be here tonight. Absolutely. Which I thought was very, very, very fair. He said, to meet me just the other side of intimacy. Which is perfect. He's playing a twenty thousand seater O2 venue. Which, in fact, Fraser went to see the, to see the ACDC the, oh, the yes, other night. The AC -DC. Tell us about the ACDC. Well, you got exactly what it says on the tin, which is what you'd expect from ACDC. They had the bell, they had the cannons, they had the enormous inflatable half-naked lady. Of course. And uh, because it was a new tour, it has to be a new gimmick. They had a full-size steam train on stage with them. A rock and roll train. It was a rock and roll train coming. A steaming, no, and it was it, coming down the track. <laughs> Was it? It wasn't yeah, stuck in a. It wasn't stuck in a station. So it actually came through a wall. You said. Yeah, they it? had a, a cartoon at the beginning, which we, we, the Angus. Oh, it's the beginning of the show, this, is it? Yeah, oh, okay. Driving this train, getting faster and faster and faster. And all of a sudden, it burst onto stage. It became changed from from a cartoon into a real thing. And it's on rails, is it? This thing. It was on rather buckled rails by the time it reached the stage. God. 
So they've got, to, they've, got to, they've got to take that round on right throughout the world tour, presumably. Yeah. Presumably they've got two full setups. Like there's way they do sure. these. Tours, there are trains all over the world. There are trains, there must trains be. everywhere. Trains everywhere. And it's probably made of foam in the end anyway. Oh, don't spoil it, Fraser. Please. So did they say thank you to people coming down? Because it's funny you should say that about Leonard Cohen. Because Bruce Springsteen always says, <laughs> he says in a very particular way, he says. I want to thank you all for coming out tonight. Yeah, which is a political thing. Well, though, it's, it? a, no, it's also sort of paints the picture that at about quarter past seven, people just finished the tea and gone, shall we watch the telly tonight? Or, I'll tell you what. We'll go out. Bruce Springsteen's playing. Yeah. There's we'll a show. Just, we'll just pop out. We'll take in a show. <laughs> <laughs> we could go to Shaftesbury Avenue and see you. Yeah. People have been saving for about a year, you know, reorganised their family holiday, you know, mortgaged their house again. Yeah, you very It makes it sound an event, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, gone mad, had terrible kind of, you know, intramarital, you know, squabbles trying to find parking spaces. And, you know, <laughs> all that kind of. Been thing. late for a babysitter. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds in a terrible state. Terrible just state. turned up. Really Got to leave half an hour before the end so not to get kettled in the tube crisis at the end. You, you know? see, that's an interesting addition to the rock and roll gig, isn't it? That comes with, um, with as you get older. I've always said this that you know that there's nothing more tense than the middle aged couple turning up at somebody's house for dinner. You know, it's the conversation that they have going up the path. Yeah, yeah. 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 Going, have you brought sense What time are we going? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's running? You've got chocolate, you've got flowers. You go, Please don't tell that story <laughs> about that again. Well, I think they have the same thing when yeah. they're going to Wembley. To well, see. I've, I see Claire and I've worked our uh, way around that. We're going to see Bob Dylan this weekend, and we've worked out a terrible way around it, which is, which is I, I've decided I can't stand this tension any longer. Uh, and we agreed a long time ago, we will not see the last three songs. And we also have a friend who does the lighting. So the friend who does the lighting sends us, emails us with the set list. <laughs> and usually the last three songs start with Maggie's Farm, which is great. So I'm thinking, I never, well, ever in my it. life want to hear anybody, least of all Bob Dylan, play Maggie's Farm. Yeah, so yeah. what am I going to miss? Nothing. I and mean, is he suddenly going to go into some, well, one night maybe he will, go into some incredible spontaneous monologue. Where he mentions, hey, Claire Ellen's in the audience today. The girl I really love. That would be awful to miss that. I appreciate it. She'd be upset, but I, I, I wouldn't. But, I've yeah. got to tell you a story about Mark and Claire going to see Bob Dylan years ago, which Mark's probably forgotten, but I've oh, never God, forgotten no, it. What's this? How awful. I can't remember if you tell me or Claire told oh, me. No. But he was on at Wembley, and he was supported by Santana. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and uh, Claire was going, what time are we getting there? We've got to get there on time. We can't miss anything. We don't want, don't want to miss Bob Dylan. Uh, Mark was going, relax. It'll be fine. I'm coming in a minute. Things he usually says before, while well, taking another half an hour, you know, to, to go anywhere. <laughs> and uh, and they so they got to Wembley and they noticed all the cars were parked and you know they, but they managed to find a space and they clearly uh, there was the conversation was aren't we late? Aren't we going to miss him? You know. And uh, yeah, everyone else Mark, is early. Mark's going, no, it'll be fine. So they get out of the car and the oh first God, thing they hear wafting over the evening air. It's the piercing guitar Thank tone. you for coming out tonight. No, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> what was it's, it? It's the piercing guitar tone of Carlos Santana going, woo, woo, woo. And Mark's going, it's fine, it's fine, it's Santana. <laughs> <that's still on." laughs> and when Carlos has finished this, woo, 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 he's only in this voice going, they're sending postcards to the hanging. Oh, yeah! Mark has been joined damn near the encore by Carlos Santana. Oh, God, I've forgotten. Well, Mark Allen's been on the saying, oh, we're not scared of I'm actually breaking out of a cold sweat, <laughs> reminding myself of the, uh, true, the, the frosty reception. <laughs> I can't. Oh, that's, oh, that's so terrible. I'm going to ask you a question, Fraser. Go on. I was asked this question of Mark Allen on Sunday, actually, because on Friday I went to a friend's birthday party. Lovely party, really nice, big, big dinner party, loads of people, in a, in a venue. And afterwards, they hauled out 
an instrument of torture that I don't think I've ever actually been in the same room as in my life. Look away from the screen now, Fraser. This may be stressful. What was and it when then? I told Mark Allen about it, he shared... He had the same shiver of anticipation that I had. But you may not have, because you're slightly younger. They had a karaoke machine. OK. <laughs> he takes it well. Have you ever done karaoke? I've done it twice. Oh, well, there you are. You're a pro. You're a veteran. You've never done it twice. And I had to... I, 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 shameful confession. When my name came, I, I refused. I couldn't do it. Well, I, I, the only I place I've done it is in North Korea. Really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you where where, where you're not going to be troubled by too many friends and neighbours, I yeah. hope. It's the only place you've done it. Yeah. So let's imagine... What song did you sing? I did two. I did a Bee Gees song, I can't remember which one it was, and I did uh, Sailing by Rod Stewart. Good God. That's a difficult one to pull the, off. The, the choice of, uh, of music to sing in, in North Korea. But Simon Cowell like, would say, that's a big song. It's, it's big, <laughs> big ask. The choice is <laughs> When you say you did two, does that imply that you were... Do you have an sort of on-call system with karaoke? I've never, never indulged. Two I mean, separate visits. Oh, OK. Yeah. Liked it so much, went back for more. Yeah. OK. Because it, what happened the other night, I assume, is, is, is that people got together, the massive at this party, and, and said, we want to see David Hepworth singing Rosalita, probably. Rosalita, can you imagine? And Dave, you know, made good his escape. They called my name and I shook my head. And, you know, what song would you have got? And I was mightily even more relieved that I hadn't gone up when I discovered what the song was. What was, uh, what was it? It was Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give oh. You Up. Now, you see, I tune, don't know Dave. it really well Classic enough. tune, obviously. No, but would you, could you sing that? No, I couldn't. I can hardly remember it. I can remember the, the, the remember sight of the, of the potato-vidaged pop star <laughs> himself on top of the pops delivering it. Is it? It, no, it's... Oh, God, how awful. Why would you have to sing that? Can't you choose the song? No, you can't choose, because the whole idea is to look at it. But anyway, sorry, I came away from this thing. I didn't get to sleep properly that night, and I was thinking about it all the next day. I was almost going to write a column about it, actually. We, we're the only one in the Good idea. Thing. Well, because we, we left not long after that, partly because my wife... If you think I'm reluctant to sing... <sighs> God, you, I mean, wild horses would not get my wife to... And your wife would be the same, wouldn't oh, she? she, she you, just, you told her that story and she went completely white. Yes. She looked like a nine-pint blood donor, <laughs> as Ron Sopp used to say, actually. <laughs> but, and anyway, it, what struck me is that, you know, I, I was older than most of the people there. And most of the people there took to it, just did it. Some people... Barry McElhenney was there of this podcast. And Barry's... Words TV kind of, critic. Barry is really, really good at that kind of thing. You know, it's kind of Irish blood and, you know, just naturally very, very good at it. And, and he did it with great relish. Other people did it with less relish, but nonetheless did it. Didn't regard it as a mortifyingly embarrassing thing to do. I did. Right. And, and I, I speak as a professional show-off. I don't mind at all getting it's up a in different front thing, of huge numbers of people and doing all kinds of things. As long oh, as you don't have to sing a Rick Astley song. Yeah. That's the test, isn't it? But yeah. I love the idea that Fraser, he can not only do this, but, but sleeps easy in his bed at night, probably dreaming, in fact, in of, of <laughs> kayaking down over giant waterfalls. In front of Koreans, I, I would suggest is a fundamentally different thing. Not just uh, in front of any foreigners is a different thing. Years ago, I had a holiday. We had a family holiday at Club Med, uh, the French resort. This was in Sicily, okay? So we were surrounded by French. 95%. French. You didn't... I, I got up and, you know, danced to the birdie song and all that kind of thing with my young daughter at the time. Not a problem at all, because I'm not surrounded by English people. Right. See, anybody... I'm surrounded by foreigners, and foreigners are ignoring you anyway, because you're sort of not part of their world. 
do you know what I mean? But this is surely just a, uh, this is an English it's characteristic thing. Not... You, you step across the, the continent, you, know, you literally get off the, off, off the boat at, at Cherbourg and you're automatically into a conga <laughs> singing I, 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 Lucy by Modern could, Romance. Could well be you know. the case, could well be the case. So, um, that's karaoke. Um, yeah. The Phil Spector question, which has been, and I've lost my notes here, that been, people have been arguing about whether, they, whether it's okay to still play Be My Baby now that Phil Spector has been uh, found, found guilty of second-degree murder, yeah. which I understand is just basically carelessness with the gun. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. It's kind of all Californians have done it at one time or another. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's yeah. gone off. I didn't you know, know it was loaded. You know. yeah. So, and, and saying, oh... Is it now fated to be like Gary Glitter's rock and roll or I'm the leader of the gang or whatever and be excised from, from the history of popular music? What do you think, Mark? I, I, well, I, I don't know. Actually, I, I, firstly, I, I'm, I'm quite... I, I was rather I'm terrible to say I was pleased with the result, but I got rather a lot of grief when I wrote an article about Phil Spector recently in, in The Word magazine, uh, a very popular, much-loved music, film and books uh, title. Does it have a website? It does have a website. Is it wordmagazine.co.uk? It is, yeah, it's extraordinary. And it's and out now. And you were talking about, is it actually... Oh, my God, there's one There's one here, here with Island Records <laughs> on the cover. That's really? brilliant. What a good I idea. Mean, is that... If I that looks like a good one, read. If I didn't have one, would I be able to go to... You can go... Dave, you can buy one in, a, in, in, in any retail outlet, of any good news agent, actually, as we used to say, or you can subscribe. It's probably the most sensible thing. But movie... And so... Um, what kind of... What were we talking about? Yeah, the... Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, I wrote this article, which was a big piece about uh, a very, very good um, BBC Two documentary about the trial. Um, and I saw the original edit of that, which in fact was substantially modified after my learned friends had a look at it. So I've seen stuff about this trial that has never been published, which is pretty grim, actually. So probably based on that, too, I felt very confident uh, in my uh, implication that I felt that um, Spectre was guilty of this crime. And I got a terrific duffing up from the word massive. A right old shooing for, for how, good God, this is the great Spectre. You know, this, he's done great work. How dare you his sniffy view these are. I described him as clammy and unlovable. <laughs> they were saying, how much clammy see, and unlovable about this I guy? I think that's the fundamental Jeez. problem people have, that, they, that they, they have trouble with people who are supposed to... The idea that they can be lovable and then at the same time do really shabby things. I mean, cause that's just life, isn't it? But with Spectre, was that really a surprise? I mean, you always knew that he oh, was messed Phil up. Phil Spectre was always... There were always problems with guns and women. Yeah. I tell you, the, I tell you the thing I learned. This is the inevitable result of the way he lived his life. It's <laughs> the way, but I tell you what, actually, I mean, if this doesn't sound like an absolutely appalling piece of, of, of really amateur kind of cold, uh, psychology, if you look back at great catastrophes involving usually <laughs> serial killers or whatever, there can often be one tiny incident triggers it. I didn't know this about Spectre. And it's rather a grim story, actually, for, for a, a cheery old podcast like ours, but he was uh, picked upon at school, as you know, for being a... Uh, you know, eight-stone weakling and you know, the usual stuff and a bit of an intellectual sort of things that people were duffed up at school for. And uh, was eventually pinned down by a, a, a load of uh, jocks and bullies and uh, was urinated upon, which, after which he, and it's understandable, um, equipped himself uh, at no small fortune with a couple of blokes who were his bodyguards. And he, he, he used to bribe people by actually answering their exam <laughs> results for them and for helping, for doing their prep for them. These were jocks from the, from the school you know, basketball team, whatever, to kind of look after him, protect him. And that became part of his personality, that he was the little guy who was, had a couple of heavies on the side of him. 
But I mean, I, I suppose if you were literally pissed upon from a great height at the age of, of, of 11 or something, you know, and, and exactly the week that, of course, his father committed suicide. I'm not trying to, I'm trying to, you know, oh, paint, paint a, paint a... Oh, that week? That week, you know, I'm not trying to paint a terribly glowing uh, and sympathetic portrait of a very, very unlikable man. I mean, I, as you know, I spent 24 hours yeah. with this guy once, and um, I think we've talked about this on, on the podcast previously. In fact, I, so few people have actually ever met him or spent any time with him. I'm now generally reckoned as being one of the world experts on Phil Spector. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I'm going to knock the equipment off the table here. Is but anyway, to answer your original <laughs> question, uh, no, I, I don't particularly, actually. Uh, I, I can still listen to those records and somehow separate them from him because he's not singing uh, on any of them or playing on but any of them. But even if you were... But I know, I know what you mean. I mean, it's because it's weird that we've decided collectively that we will never play Gary Glitter uh, on the radio ever again, apparently, and yet the records, of, as you were saying earlier this morning, of Sid Vicious appeared to be absolutely... Upon. Sid Vicious could well, I mean, it was never actually proven, it appeared, David, if I can say this, uh, to be guilty of murder. It looks like it. It does look very like he murdered somebody. And yet when we hear old Sid playing my way, going, oh, God bless him. Oh, a lovely fella. Oh, it all hard. But it's 22 in, carat individual. There's various people have been saying on the web website, you know, there was a time when, you know, kind of underage sex was sort of a feature of rock and roll. Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, and Bill various, Wyman. various bands of the I 70s. met Bill Wyman. I, don't yes. talk about I met Bill Wyman at a party once when he was with a woman who I reckoned to be probably in her mid-40s and had brought along her little daughter, who was 14. <laughs> it was two weeks later, Dave, that oh, I discovered yeah. that the relationships were working the other way around. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we can say that. Because but that was because th that was before Andy Smith, we know. kind of elected... We elected all crimes are understandable, apart from... Sex crimes, you yeah. know what I mean, and, that, and so now that is the the single kind of that's the repository of evil. Totally, yeah. You yeah. Know. It's completely and, uh, I was, and uh, I don't know if you know if when people look at the uh, the you know, the the old films of Cheery Tramp, Charlie Chaplin, the soul of lovable, you know, exactly. sixteen-year-old, you know, yeah. well, younger than sixteen, Lita Gray, you know. One of his one of his many wives, you know. Look, we all what I I love. I'm a huge fan of Roman Polanski's films. Roman Polanski can't go back to the United States because of you know case involving. But the time is also a factor, isn't it? I got a feeling Steely Dan were involved in sort of similar scandals once. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, no, but Charlie Chaplin, disgraceful. I mean, he made Bill Wyman look like a non-starter. But, but the time is a factor. That the further away these instances occurred, the more forgivable it almost is. Oh, it is. is. Apparently, yeah. you're oh, absolutely is. right. That's completely true. Yeah. Uh, as, as you say, it's just become a, a complete, you know, it's, it, it's amazing what, what stuff comes into focus and what doesn't come into focus. I can't believe, without wishing to get to a, a long and uh, heavy and boring discussion about it, that Chris Moyles is allowed to say the kind of homophobic things he says on Radio 1 without getting expelled. Because I think they're just as bad as, as, as the racial slurs and whatever the other people are expelled for. But because he's Chris Moyles, because his ratings are so high, they can't presumably... Um, we live in the sin? Yeah. Uh, we can't, pre <laughs> we can't pre presume... They can't presumably afford to, 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 to dismiss with the guy. Yeah, but it's also... It's, I don't think it's just a uh, calculation like that. I think it's also that that's seen as kind of ad admissible blokey banter. That's seen as the, you know, the cut and thrust of, of the kind of chat that they want to have to engage their audience. The thing that intrigues me, and I wonder if it's ever going to change, is it's still, there's one section of the population it's still okay to be really patronising about, and that is old people. Yeah. You're, you're allowed to have gags all the time about, you know, they're deaf, they're doddery, they smell of wee. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. kind of all right. That's absolutely fine. 
Whereas if you're over 70 in Paris, people sweep out of the way and uh, applaud you. And, 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 and you know, I mean, the respect for old people in France is absolutely astonishing. And Mark, am but I, then the I'm other not thing, just saying this because we're getting very near that point anyway. The other thing about Susan <laughs> Boyle, the, Susan <laughs> Boyle, the structure of that first Susan Boyle television uh, appearance is entirely based on the trigger, is the fulcrum, is the revelation she's 47 years old. And Simon Cowell laughingly, smirkingly, looking to an aside camera, you know, says, how old are you? Knowing the answer. She says, I'm 47. And there's just, just uh, you know, derision <laughs> from the entire auditorium. You so, don't belong here. I know. I'm yeah, blue. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anything to add? Anything we learned this week? No, just, uh, one no. thing I've, uh, I've learned this week is that um, the amount of broken teeth has gone up due to oh, the recession. Really? And that people are grinding and gnashing in their sleep through stress. More than they normally would, Again, they and as a result, dentists are seeing Niagara Falls in a, in a bag. Exactly, but den <laughs> dentists sleep easy. Dentists are seeing a, a huge upturn in the number of broken teeth as a result of the recession. Going back to the Come sporting on. dreaming, yeah. When you lay your head on the pillow to go to sleep, yeah. Do you summon up a little sporting dream? No, I don't. I don't. It comes out. Summon up a little sporting <laughs> dream for me. I do. <laughs> I do. I just imagine a little one. You know. I'm a well-taken corner. I'm more of a natural case. athlete. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mark? I learnt uh, one extraordinary thing about Henry VIII. You probably know this. Go on. I'm very interested in Henry VIII. Yeah. Quite a character. There's a piece in today's... Quite, quite, quite a character. Except that. what I remember seeing is his suit of armour when I was about 11 and realising that I was taller than Henry VIII was, even though I was 11. <laughs> he was, oh, yeah. Is it in Hampton Court? I think it is. Oh, is it? Yeah, at the time. There's a piece, there's a piece by uh, some occasional word correspondent, actually, uh, Rachel Campbell-Johnston in today's Times. There's a little paragraph here. She says, how did this charismatic young paradigm of the great Renaissance prince slowly transform into the ruthless wife-killer who we see at the end, his, his suspicious eyes peeping from his swollen, fleshy pouches, his temper tested by suppurating leg ulcers and with the blood of loyal martyrs on his pudgy, ringed hands. She doesn't answer that question, actually, in this article, but I read another article that did. Do you know what happened to him? No. I never knew this. He succeeds Henry VII, uh, who is um, a knackered and disease-ridden old fool, and is the absolute... Um, this is bringing in the new, the new era, the new dawn. He's a fabulous-looking, incredibly fit, hunting, shooting, fishing, you know, brilliantly intelligent character. And then, about, I, God, very soon into his reign, he, he loved, um, you know, all these kind of chivalrous sporting events, jousting and stuff. He's knocked off a horse in a jousting tournament and lands on his hip. And presumably, um, medicine being what it was at that particular time, does himself some absolutely appalling injury, which he doesn't recover from. And from that point, his entire personality unravels. He's just in pain for the rest of his life and becomes more and more angry and furious and starts to eat nothing but, you know, uh, you know two, ten tons of salt beef for breakfast, and, you know, and starts a series of, of murders involving members of his own, his own family. <laughs> I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Yeah. They're incredible, this guy. Uh, you know, you, again, we're going, we're going slightly back to Spectre. There can be some tiny little incident, this was clearly wasn't that yeah. tiny, actually, which trips somebody yeah. from being a completely normal possibly socially integratable human being into this complete monster this guy turned out to be. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 